I wanted to do whoever stuff for my friend. Well, you're sorry, ugly man. It doesn't matter what your name is. August 20th, Thursday, the NBA lottery. Be sure to join me live on YouTube for the lottery. Uh, obviously, my my real-time uh, reaction, and I've got a lot to say about this draft. I've, I've scouted the entire first round, and I'm very excited to see where my Warriors land. And I think it's just going to give us a bigger picture, a more clear idea of possibly trades and things that could happen. It's very hard to predict or mock draft when you don't even know the exact picks, right? Because then you start to get a sense like, well, Cleveland's probably not going to draft a guard, right? Stuff like that. So fingers crossed for this draft. I believe it's five o'clock Pacific time. Get the notification, hit the subscription, get the notification bell so you don't miss any of this content. I'm trying to grow as you can see, my content is authentic and I feel superior to the majority of the NBA content on YouTube. So support your boy and hit the subscribe notification bell, all the stuff that everybody asks for, right? All right, NBA now, this will be a quicker one here on Thursday. I haven't yet been able to address game one of the Lakers Blazers series. I did a full breakdown on my Patreon, so I've looked at the game twice. We can kill AD right? We can do all sorts of things, man. And it's funny about Anthony Davis, right? Like, you know, when us, the fans question a guy, if he, he has it, if he is a dog, right? If he, if he has the killer instinct that, you know, that, that's something special that makes him a superstar. When we're questioning if a guy has it, it's usually for a reason. We're usually right. Our initial instincts are right. And it's not something that's developed, for instance, what you saw with Luca and what we're seeing with Luca last night, right? Like we instantaneously was like, all right, Luca's got it, right? It's pretty quick. It's one of the things that our blinks work quick with. We we can see when a guy has it it very quickly. And it doesn't, it's not something that develops over time. And Anthony Davis doesn't have it. It's clear. We know that. Is he a tier one talent? Yes, but he's best suited as a number two. The problem is with the Lakers is that's all they've got right now. Now, you've, you've, you've heard rumors of LeBron, his groin. Why is he kind of stuck in second gear? Is he going to take perimeter jumpers? Hassan Whiteside, Nurkic, is Collins returning? The size of the Blazers has kept LeBron from doing what he wants in the paint. And a lot of those assists in that game one were out of necessity. They are sending help, but... If LeBron's not willing to come off the screen and shoot the ball and, and kind of get his little mid-range post game going, it's going to be rough for the Lakers. It's going to be rough for the Lakers now. I don't expect Danny to shoot that bad or KCP. Are they going to go to waiters? What I think that's one of the questions is, how much patience is Vogel and LeBron going to have with the Danny Green? Because I had brought this up earlier before the series started, right? Like, look at Danny Green's history. He is a hot and cold shooter. Raptors fans know last year for most of the playoffs – he was MIA, right? He had a few big games, but for the most part, he was ice cold. Nick Nurse, whether it was out of necessity, belief, or a little bit of both, stuck with Danny Green throughout the playoffs, and we know the end results, right? But I don't know if the Lakers are going to be that patient. Can they afford to be that patient? And so I don't know what you do. Do you go to Waiters? Do you go to J.R. Smith? Obviously, you're losing something on the defensive end. 
But you might push back and say, well, Dame and CJ gonna get loose on anybody anyway. We're not stopping them anyway. We might as well try to counter it with better offense. But I think as far as adjustments go, I think you've got to see AD catch the ball in the post and work in the post more. You can tell he doesn't want that three. Look, I know there's been games where AD's hit four, maybe five threes. There's something at the end of his release. When he gets pushed out to the three-point line, there's a little bit of jerk at the end of his extension, and he doesn't really want it. It's a mental thing as well. Um, so he needs to get back to his sweet spots and, and being aggressive and not disappearing, but um not holding my breath with that. And then is LeBron going to shoot threes, right? They're going to have to they're going to have to score, but the one thing that I saw defensively that was very troubling was Caruso and their guards when they went to trap Dame, it was pathetic. It was lethargic. It was deliberate and it was slow and it allowed Dame to kind of pick his head up and go, "Oh, here comes the trap. Let me swing that." And you saw them dissect the Lakers defense late in that game. It's Scary times for the Laker fans, right? Because it's not like Portland shot well. But again, I'm not telling y'all something y'all didn't know, right? You, you saw the game. But those are my quick takeaways from game one in that series. I think uh, I think there is something to be said about Portland playing for their lives for the last 10 days, and the Lakers have been kind of just in cruise control. So I expect them to come out game two tonight and flex on Portland. I do. I do. I think we're going to see them... Uh, rev up the engine and just bring a different level of intensity and physicality specifically to trapping Dame and CJ at the top like Caruso is supposed to, you know he made his typical hustle plays but ultimately they've got to be way more aggressive way more physical and muck this thing up right they, they they don't have frankly they don't have the skill to play a skill offensive game against this Portland roster they don't man and shout out to Melo for hitting the floor and getting in a defensive stance, it's taken 15 years, but it's not too late, right? It's not too late. Get it done, Mello. Get it done. What else? Some quick hitter takes. Philadelphia, surprise, surprise, is down 2-0, right? And Joel Embiid, to me, is the biggest disappointment in the NBA as far as, like, stars go. He is. He is. We can blame Brent Brown. We can blame the, uh, the roster construction. Ben Simmons is not a fit. But if you watch Joel, man... I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed in in what he has become thus far. And I was watching him in the in pick and rolls last night. Like it's not just Ben. Joel sucks in pick and rolls. Like there is a reason. It's not just Ben. He doesn't really he kind of just like doesn't he gets in the way. He doesn't he doesn't pop and like drift off or he doesn't roll hard. He's just kind of there. And it seems like Joel my biggest gripe outside of his maturity and 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 kind of uh I don't know. This is a harsh. This may sound harsh, but the kind of he's got some quit in him, right? It seems like he's got some quit in him. Um, is that when the ball's not in his hands, he kind of falls asleep, right? Like when he has the ball, oh, oh, he's gonna put all these. He's gonna cross you over, spin move, drop step. You know, he's gonna show out for the gram. But you know those shirts that say basketball never stops, right? The cliche, right? And it, it, it's true though. Like you have to be engaged all the time when you're on the floor. And it, Joel's only engaged. It seems like. When he has the ball or, you know, there's a guy that's kind of going at his neck, another center that he wants to, uh, you know, belittle. So, I mean, you can wrap that series up. Blow it up. Blow it up. Warrior fans have been asking me, you know, who who uh, who do I have my eye on in this offseason in free agency? The two teams are Denver and Philadelphia. Those are the two teams that have some interesting 
pieces that you know I think could be available given the outcome of of the these two teams in in the playoffs, right? Like they're good, they're not good enough, and so they've got some nice pieces, some ancillary pieces that could be shuffled, and those are the teams I'm looking at. Speaking of Denver and Utah, um, I had asked the question. Look, I, I was a doubter of Jokic initially. He impressed me last year in the playoffs. There's no doubt he's super skilled offensively, but ultimately I can't get over asking myself when I watch them play, like, is the juice worth the squeeze? And it's just like he defensively, and, and, and like Joel was getting killed in the pick and roll yesterday against Boston, right? A lot of centers are going to get killed in the pick and roll when you have a pull-up artist, Tatum, his size, or Kemba. Mitchell's been going off, right, in, in the Denver series. But the difference with Joel is he protects the rim, right? He's one of the best rim protectors in the league. So it's like pull up or nothing, right? But with Jokic, you can do whatever you want. You can pull up in his face. You can go to the rim. You can dunk on him, right? And, and, and I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't think he's that good offensively that it negates what he does defensively. And that's the conclusion that ultimately Denver's going to find out. And at the same time, I don't blame Denver for hanging their hat on Jokic. Like they're a small market team. You know, he was a, a steal in the draft. And it's like, you got to build with what you have. I'm not saying that. I'm just, I just don't, I don't know if you can build a, a, a true contender around him when he's such a liability at that position, particularly. So Utah, well, Donovan Mitchell is a good example of where you say, all right, he's undersized. He's not necessarily a natural ball player. He picked up the game late, but what you love are his intangibles, his character, his work ethic, and his IQ. And you're seeing him excel past his peers of the same age and the same level because of that. So Utah, you know, Utah is, uh, I also think Quinn's the better coach. And I like Mike Malone, but you're seeing Quinn uh, with his adjustments and everything. It's, it's an interesting series, but it looks like Utah has the upper hand because of what Donovan, the steps that Donovan has taken. And hell, we're, let's be honest, Denver's not going to take Jokic off the floor, right? So I don't know. What happened with Milwaukee in Orlando? I'm not going to front like I watched the game. I had, I had said in the last podcast, like, look, Toronto, Brooklyn, Orlando, Milwaukee, those are the those are the two series I'm skipping. Can't watch them all, man. Can't watch them all, right? And you got to give Steve Clifford a lot of credit. If, if he was available, that'd be the coach I'd try to get for the Pelicans if I was David Griffin, right? Because you're seeing what happens when you really have a system and true principles that you hold consistent because it allows for a true next man up mentality. And Orlando has a type, right? They like athletes. Orlando prefers athletes over basketball players, if that makes sense. But just their principles of transition defense, rebounding and rotating. And I, I we can give I want to give them credit and shout them out for that. But ultimately, let's let's call it what it was. The Bucks were asleep at the wheel, right? And and Bledsoe and Middleton and all these guys. It's hard, it was hard to take them serious. When you consider Isaac and Gordon were out, I think we're gonna see the Bucks really flex. Um, later today in that that game too. I, I, th I don't think they get another game. I don't think, I wouldn't be surprised if Orlando won another quarter in the series. All right, now to the main event. Mavericks Clippers game two. Look, man, the Mavericks have been the better team for six of the eight quarters, right? And the difference 
the, the Clippers, what I think we're finding out here is, and there's there's various reasons for that, and we've talked about them not really being able to build chemistry, their players in and out of the bubble, and just throughout the season, load management, and, and how you, can you just throw together a team? This isn't 2K. Chemistry matters, right? Camaraderie and, and uh, familiarity, right? What it seems like is the Clippers' defense is overrated. It really feels that way because now I granted, I know Dallas is the most high powered offense in the league. So some of that is just D Dallas's offense making anybody look crazy, right? Or not as good as they maybe are defensively. But the difference between like, for instance, Toronto and the Clippers, both, you know, two highly touted defenses is the Clippers are an individual defense. They've got a bunch of great individual defenders, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, they're ISO guys. But as far as team defense goes, they're not on a string. They're not on a string at all. And that's what makes Toronto special in Milwaukee in a sense. Well, Milwaukee's system, right? In Toronto's system, they may not have as good as many individual lockdown guys, but together they're greater than the sum of their parts. In the Clippers, it's the opposite. And then you see a team like Dallas that's able to exploit that, pick them apart. Let me ask you this though, like the, the switch everything. You see uh, the Clippers switch everything. Doesn't that kind of negate the point of having Paul George and Kawhi? Like down the stretch, I understand Beverly was out, but Doc stays with Lou. You've got these two vaunted defenders out there, George and Kawhi. What do you do? Well, you just switch until Lou's on ball and then you pick on Lou. So I don't think, I, you know, I don't think uh, Lemon Pepper Lou can be out there to close games and with Beverly out, here's the thing. I had a calf strain last summer. Some of you may have remembered me talking about it. And uh, the calf and the hamstring, those posterior chain muscles, the soft tissue back there, they the injuries tend to just last way longer than you expect. They really do. So Beverly may not be a go through this series. Does Doc just lean super heavy on Reggie Jackson, who shot the ball very well, right? Or do you go to Shaman? Because I'd rather have Shaman out there at the end of the game than Lou. I understand what Lou brings to the table offensively, but do you really want to go to Lou down the stretch anyway? I know he gets hot, but it's either Kawhi or Paul George. That's what they're there for. And so it makes no sense to me to have Lou Williams out there so a team can relentlessly pick on him and you're switching your, your all-team defenders off the ball and Lou's just getting torn apart. And that's ultimately why Lou Williams has been a journeyman, right? Like, go look at his resume. He's a great six-man. He's fun to watch. His teammates love him. He's a bucket, right? But ultimately, you've noticed team after team has been willing to part with him. Because when push comes to shove, when it really matters, can you have him on the floor? I don't think you can, man. I don't think you can. And that brings us to Pandemic P. I love that. I love that. Look, man. Paul George, it, it, you can write it off, it could be a cold night, but if you look at history, if you look at the history, it's so funny, playoff P, right? Like, he, he really hasn't been that. He really hasn't been that. It's funny, too, that it's kind of been brushed under the table that Paul George was Kawhi, at best, his third choice, right? First, Kawhi called KD. Then he called Kyrie, I believe. And then it was Paul, maybe, who knows? There's probably another name in there between you. He's probably his fourth choice. As smooth as Paul George is, look, I love his game. Like when Paul George is playing well, there's nothing prettier in the league, really. It's so smooth and effortless, right? But again, back to the AD subject in the beginning. Does he have it? It's not something you develop later in your career. And Paul, 
It seems like when the lights get bright, I mean, he hasn't performed like you expect. He should have a bounce back game, but know that he is going, I believe, to get the wrath of this. If the Clippers get upset or when they get knocked out, if they don't win at all, I think Paul's going to wear the brunt of this. Kawhi, kind of like Clay, maybe it's that aloof personality, but he kind of doesn't get criticism, right? He kind of gets a pass sometimes. And Maxi Kleba has more than done a respectable job on Kawhi. He got his numbers, right? He's averaging like 30, but I don't see a need to necessarily send a double. Like he's making him work. He's taking tough contested shots, right? So Maxi Kleba's been well. And then I love DeLon Wright, man. Uh, DeLon Wright is a winner. I know that's cliche, man, but his hustle, his scrappiness, you know, I'm not saying he's like a starting guard. He, ideally, he comes off your bench for you, but you love having a guy like that come off the bench. The energy, the scrappiness, and he's just willing to do the dirty work. You don't find a lot of guards doing that. It's usually like the wings, scrappy garbage, man. You don't usually have guards that athletic that are scrappy like that. I love DeLon Wright. Seth Curry was huge because Luka in foul trouble. KP, man, KP is disappointing defensively. He really is. Like, he has this thing where he just is too narrow. He gets too skinny. It's basketball 101. When you're in middle school, when you're first learning basketball, what is your youth coach teaching you? Get wide in your stance. Be wide, right? So you can move laterally. And, and KP almost gets narrow. He almost turns his shoulder and gets skinny because I think he wants to turn and block everything. His fundamentals are poor, but it's more than that. He's lazy. He's lazy. Like that and one he gave up to Montrez late where he just kind of reached over. He's lazy, man. He's lazy. He has. And, and what makes it more frustrating is unlike Jokic, he's more than physically capable. Like he is athletic. He's super tall. You see the timing, but he's just lazy. And it's something that he needs to understand. And he doesn't clearly. That's what's going to make him great. Like if KP wants to be great and fulfill the nickname of the unicorn, he's going to have to be a good defender. That's cool. You're 7'3", you shoot threes, right? You've got a little bit of wiggle with the ball. You can put it down a bit, finish above the rim. That's cool, right? But like, are you going to become a legit rim protector and a plus defender like you can? Because that's what's going to make you special. Otherwise, you're going to just be a tier two, maybe even a tier three guy next to Luka, right? So... I don't know if that's going to ever click for him. I understand he's still young, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't seem like he gets it. It almost reminds me of KD, you know, um, as far as KD, when he took that step, you saw it like the last season in OKC, but then when he came to the Warriors, right, he really started to like, they asked of him more defensively and you saw, you saw him reach his potential defensively, but the difference, there, there's several differences between the two, right? But we know how hungry KD is has been to become great. He's wanted it and he's become it. I'm not so sure KP wants to be great. I, I don't know. He, he might just be content. Maybe he needs some facial hair. But uh, I think the Clippers are in trouble, man. I think the Clippers are in trouble. Needless to say, these neutral playing grounds favor the underdog. But, you know, we had talked about this in the last podcast, the discussion of, well, the NBA, the ratings are down and it's pretty obvious they need an LA versus LA conference finals. So we're going to see the refs lean that way. And we saw it again last night, man. If you ask me, I'm objective in this series. No, I'm not. I want Dallas to win. I don't like the Clippers, man. I don't know. I don't like the Clippers. But um, trying, you know, just watching it, it, it seemed like the Clippers were getting the whistle again. And uh, I'm sure we're going to see that tonight in the Lakers-Blazers game. 
But, you know, I'm not so sure that that is necessarily what the it, what's best for the NBA and the ratings. Like, if you ask me, Luka and Dame might equal higher ratings than LeBron and Kawhi. I know it's market size and star power, but from an, from an aesthetic standpoint and from a fluidity and actual fun watching the game, Luka and Dame are much more fun. Kawhi has top three ugliest games of any superstar. And LeBron, they're, they're, too, they're so robotic and rigid. Anyway, I'm not going to get too far into that. The point is, I know we all feel like, you know, it's headed towards an LA, LA thing and the NBA wants that, but it may not necessarily be a bad thing if it's upset city and we get Dame and Luka. It'd be, it might be more fun. Anyway, join me later today live for the lottery results and some, so I'll answer some questions on the draft and, and, and whatever y'all have for me. I'm out, y'all.